0: Today, there are 2 million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast.
1: This is the French-Canadian
0: Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martineau, and I have... Been very fortunate, Mike and I both, uh, this podcast so far, to get a ton of feedback from people who have listened to some of our early shows. And as I mentioned in our episode zero, we are always looking to get better. And I mentioned this because one of the most common comments that Mike hears and that I hear is that, I love the intro song you have. That's the greatest song. And that because we are very fortunate to be welcoming to the French Canadian Legacy podcast, the performer of that song. Welcome. Thank you very much for joining us, José Vachon.
2: Thank you. Well, that's nice to hear. Yeah. I, that song I wrote years ago for uh, a Franco-American friend of mine who had lost the French language, and that- uh, and we wanted to use it in schools because uh, a lot of teachers want you know uh, encouragement for their students to see what can happen. And I, I love I love performing it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. We're definitely going to get into that song specifically, for sure. Um, Josie is a musician who's been performing Franco-American folk music uh, for over 25 years. She has a number of albums, has performed in a number of super unique places, which we're going to get to. Even hosted a TV show for over a decade, which is kind of neat. She is a 2007 inductee to the American French Genealogical Society's French-Canadian Hall of Fame. Franco-American Center... uh, Franco-American of the Year from the Franco-American Center of Manchester, New Hampshire. She's got her crazy, ridiculous resume. So it is super awesome that we get to welcome Josie. So again, thank you very much for joining our podcast.
2: Merci. Thank you.
0: Sure. Now, kind of like a little bit about your background. Where are you from?
2: I was actually born in Lake Megantic or Lac Megantic, which uh, is now a town that's well-known in Canada because it had the train derailment five summers ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was my my hometown. But my father worked for the railroad and moved us to Brownville Junction, Maine, when I was seven years old. We were really the only French-speaking... I was the only French-speaking kid in town. But looking back now, I realize that the town had a ton of French names. But my mother was able to speak... You know, She didn't speak English, so she had found the three friends who still spoke French. But you, know, you didn't think about that in those days. Uh, I, we were just always the unique kids who... Who spoke French at home? And, no, that's interesting. And, yeah. Where is
0: Brownville Junction, Maine?
2: It's really north of Bangor. It's really I consider it central Maine. Some people would think it's northern, but no, northern is still quite far. <laughs> um, it's just we used to actually ride our bikes for a long hike to to the base of Mount Katahdin. So, oh, wow, gives you an idea, yeah.
0: <laughs> sure. No, that's really neat. So. You didn't have, a, you were saying, you didn't really have a very big French community, which is kind of unique, because a lot of the people we've talked to uh, from Maine have expressed, you know, having that French community, especially, you know, a number of years ago.
2: Exactly, exactly. I They, they actually, I had done my first grade in Quebec, and when I moved, they, there was a girl who, Tina, a Nadeau, actually, who uh, spoke some French, and they were afraid that if we were in the same class, I would only speak French and never learn English. Isn't that? Oh, jeez. So they they held me back. I, I did first grade again. Oh in, wow! You know, so that I would learn English faster. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's. True. And um, but it wasn't until I went to the University of Maine that I was sitting in a class. Um, I think it was speech communication, and this guy next to me saw my name on a on a folder, and he said, parle-tu français," and I went, oui, you know, I'm <laughs> are you from Quebec?" And he goes, "No, I'm from Van Buren." And uh, Paul here is from uh, Frenchville, and you know you sh- you need to go to the Franco-American office and 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 meet our boss, who turns out Yvon Labay was from the region of Quebec where I was from.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
2: So so yeah, suddenly I discovered that the University of Maine, and this is in Orono, seventeen percent of the campus uh, body, student body was was Franco-American, and of course you know the state of Maine was about thirty-three to thirty-five uh, percent. At the time of French Canadian descent.
0: That's that's awesome. How old were you when you started playing music?
2: I was, uh, well, the house in Bramble Junction came with a piano. So my (laughs) father was all excited and I started taking lessons as soon as I could. But then when I was 15, my parents bought me a guitar and I really took to that as uh, it was great for family parties because we didn't, no one in my family played an instrument, but our, our holiday parties were always in the kitchen, singing songs and tapping our feet. Uh, and then when it was time for dancing, we'd just put on the record player. But when, I, when my parents bought me my guitar, suddenly I was backing up singing sing-alongs in the family, and that, that was so much fun. And really, that's how I developed my repertoire, was what, what my family, what my parents wanted me to learn, as well as what my aunts and uncles would, would request and, and share with me.
0: That's really interesting, actually, because we've talked with the previous guests about the, the culture of the soirees. Mm-hmm. And my mom even talks about that growing up in Manchester. She attended some when she was a kid. Is that something you were familiar with? You know, the relatives all get together, sing oh, songs. Oh, absolutely.
2: Uh, I tr- we still do it today. My mother <laughs> is the oldest of eight. So, uh, you know, they're all in Quebec, of course. And uh, um, yeah, whenever there's a family gathering, it's still it still ends up at some point singing around the kitchen or living room, wherever we are, hanging out. But they're getting older, and now they kind of want the, the la relève, as we say in French, the the, the next generation sure. to uh, to take over. So my cousins, you know, all play different instruments. And so it, it's, you know, the thing is that I don't go up at the same time anymore. It's it's difficult to try to get cousins especially together. So we sort of try to make an effort every every five or ten years to, to get together as a as a whole family, because we're about thirty three with all oh, the wow. aunts, uncles and and cousins. Yeah.
0: Now, when you do these get-togethers and sing songs, is it like I I I envision anyway in my mind? It's like the the uh, call and response.
2: Oh yeah, I the chans- yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Awesome. the chanson répond. I, I did learn a lot of those. Um, but you know, when you're a kid, it's kind of fun, and at the same time, it's it's really like the older crowds thing. You you participate in some of it, but, you know, you, you think of these songs as old, you know, that you want to introduce, you'd rather be doing the pop songs of the time, <laughs> you know, on guitar. I remember this band, you know, when I was 17 or so, uh, La bottine Souriante, The Smiling Boot, was on jukeboxes everywhere. <laughs> and I learned one of the songs. And my grandmother at the party said, that's not new. Your great grandfather used to sing that. Oh, that's
0: awesome.
2: And that's where I realized that, you know, traditional music in Quebec has never aged. They, they just keep bringing it back with new new versions, new, new backup instruments, uh, and they keep it alive in Quebec very strongly.
0: That's interesting. Now, when did you decide that you were going to start performing publicly,
2: oh, like outside no. the family? Yeah, no, no, no. That was—I <laughs> was a really shy kid. <laughs> um, and um, I, when I was at the Franco-American Office, which is now the center, also in in uh, in Maine, um, one night, one of my uh, girlfriends on in the dorm said, "You know, I hear you practicing the guitar all the time. Why don't you bring it to the party tonight?" Because we were doing a holiday soiree at the office. And so she talked me into it when it was time. I, I, I did a few songs that my family loved, you know, especially songs by uh, at the time. What was really popular for sing-alongs, modern sing-alongs, was uh, there were two performers, Edith Butler and uh, Angel Arsenault that I really liked. So I did their songs and my boss's eyes lit up. And without telling me, because he knew I would have said no, <laughs> he sent my name off to three festivals in Maine. Oh, wow. And they i I received letters saying, uh, you're scheduled for the, <laughs> noon, the noon slot for an hour and, and i I guess the good thing about if you're shy, if you can't say no once somebody asks you to do something that that is a great way to push
0: <laughs> sure absolutely
2: so it worked and i I was the first one was in Lewiston, Maine, and when I saw older people, I mean it, some were in tears, but joy joyful tears sure. that were just so touched that. A young person was singing in French and of course you know the the 80s and 90s was very strong uh, multiculturalism and and uh, ethnic studies and ethnic pride and you know so the whole Franco-American office uh, the, the Farag forum was the name of the newspaper and That's- you know it had been created right after uh, civil rights and stuff so there was this constant pride in who we are and and not to try to change ourselves but to Take possession of of our, you know, whether we could speak French or not, which was interesting too.
0: Now I, you mentioned the Farag Forum, which is hilarious. We <laughs> actually we talked about that with uh, Susan Panette, who's the director of the Franco-American programs now at the University of Maine. Yes. Uh, we interviewed her for the podcast. That was a super interesting interview. She talked about the you know the history of the, the Forum now, just the Forum. How did you get involved with that publication?
2: Well, that's it. The Franco-American office uh, was publishing it. And when I went to meet, you know, based on these two guys in in uh, my class who said, you need to go meet Yvonne Labbé, I walked in and... You know, we talked for 15, 20 minutes. And he goes, okay, so what do you want to do here at the office? Because <laughs> it was work-study. I yeah. didn't realize I had work-study money. So I said, well, I'm a fast typist. Wrong thing to say at a this <laughs> paper. <laughs> so I ended up, uh, the first two years, I was basically typesetting the entire paper. Um, and it was a monthly. But then I became managing editor and really took on a lot of roles. We put on soirees at, at, on campus and Community people would come, and it, and of course, since I had started singing festivals, you know, my boss always got me to, you know, be part of the concert or the or the gathering or so on. I can't really say they were concerts, but we were constantly bringing in guest musicians to to really create a fun evening for for the community and the students.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Now going got it back to the career, now, did you ever consider playing anything except French? Fulton, French <laughs> Fulton, or is this kind of from the beginning you knew that's the direction your career was going yeah,
2: to go? Yeah, I think because of the times, you know, the I'd be doing, at the time I could, there were at least 12 Franco-American festivals, summer festivals around New England. There was a real demand for for French and, the, and people were reacting like, oh my gosh, you know, you know all these songs in French and it became sort of a niche you know, that uh, we were only like a handful. There was Liliane Labbe, um of the group, the Sultry, the Lucie Terrien, who's from New Hampshire, uh, and myself. Uh, and then there were a lot of fiddlers all around New England, uh, Franco-American. But but for singing French, we were French, especially French-Canadian uh, music. We were the three. So I felt like it was an important thing to to maintain. And I thought, you know, there are... Thousands and thousands of folk singers in English. Sure. But uh, this this niche turned out to be really great because um, uh, I'd say, you know, between school assemblies, I was probably doing 80, 90 shows a year, believe it or not. That's in, awesome. Just in French, which was shocking. Today, not so much. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, though, because how you went from, you know, performing a festival you didn't even volunteer for in Lewiston, Maine, Right. So all of a sudden transitioning to where you're playing tons of festivals and it becomes like a major part of your career. You're making albums like this is what you're known for is pr- producing this music.
2: Yeah, I started, to, I was actually going to be a French high school teacher. That was one of my studies. But then doing so many assemblies, teachers asking me to come to their schools. And I felt like I was teaching in my own way in a, in, in in a more, you know, for me, it was a more comfortable way. Because I discovered I really wasn't good in front of a classroom. I was so nervous about it. Which is right. ironic because people say, how can you be on stage in front <laughs> of a thousand? It's, I think the security blanket is holding that guitar and sure. just starting, you know. <laughs> Took on everything that, that came along and uh, just developed my craft, basically developed a repertoire, uh, improved my guitar playing, started figuring out what people wanted to hear. Um, around 1985, I... Realized that all these festivals, I was only doing songs from Quebec and Acadia, and I thought, you know, I should be writing my own. But again, what? And people, you know, songwriters would tell me, always write what you know best. And I said, okay, well, I'll start with. I I wrote a a song called Entre Moi, which means between me and myself, and it was a back and forth of making fun of my name. (laughs) <laughs> because in high school I would get, you know, Jose, can you see? Jokes. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'm going to use it in a fun festival genre. And uh, it became one of my hit songs. People were requesting it everywhere. It even got me to Quebec, the Museum of Civilization. Uh, just just different, you know, it's amazing how certain songs will actually get you in, in other uh, areas that you never thought you'd perform at. So I, I would often represent... Franco Americans and even like uh, government and pre summits of states and in, in Quebec, because again, they needed a musical something and they wanted it to be from New England's Franco Americans. So I was just at the right place at the right time, <laughs> I think.
1: José, qu'est-ce que tu fais là-bas, dans les États, votre français, tout en anglais, qu'est-ce que tu fais? Pour rester là, José, qu'est-ce tu fais Pour survivre dans les états La misère il doit n'avoir C'est ce que nous disent nos grands-pères Au Canada, j'y vais à chaque année Pour contenter mon bec De déserts riches sucré La tîre, la tarte au sucre all right, that's neat because,
0: but you mentioned obviously you performed in Quebec, which is super neat. But you performed all over the place. And I do want want to highlight a couple of interesting locations. The Mm -hmm. first I got to mention, only because I lived in D.C. for like eight years, you played at Constitution Hall. What was that about? How did that come about?
2: That was one of the first cool things that got me out of New England. They were actually honoring Congressman Norman Damour, you know, Damour from from New Hampshire at Constitution Hall. It was an event called Americans by Choice. (laughs) Amazing today, right? You know, we were celebrating ethnic you know America <laughs> immigration and so on they asked me if I would do three songs at Constitution Hall to represent franco-americans as part of the event i got to hang out with the congressman and <laughs> aca you know association canado American sure. are the ones who uh, who brought me in and actually eventually yes through aca that uh, we started the tv show also so but yeah cool places i've played uh, Because of that, um, another event was the Minister of Francophonie came to Manchester and they asked me if I would do a few songs at a reception in his honor. And I wrote a special song for that event called N'oublie pas, or Don't Forget, because I wanted the French and actually also the Québécois and Acadians to realize that, yes, we, we speak French, but it's not It's not the French you still speak today because we are Americans first and language evolves, you know, language changes with your environment. But I wanted the song to say, just, you know, don't try to compare us to yourselves, you know, accept who we are and and listen to what we have to say. Well, he loved the song and a week later, he invited me to Paris to perform it on International television. The, even my husband's cousins in Spain called my husband to say we <laughs> are watching your wife. That's awesome. <laughs> it was a great experience. Yeah, and a string quartet from Romania backed me up on the show. Oh wow! So, so yeah, you know the things that go through your mind when you're just this little girl from Brownville Junction. It's like, <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is actually pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> De la façon que tu te vois Prends le temps de bien m'écouter De t'intéresser N'oublie pas, n'oublie pas voir le pays d'où je viens tu verras des gens comme moi aussi déchirés par un choix n'oublie pas
0: Now I saw that you performed in New Brunswick. Yes. One of the things that was honestly not known to me when I started this project that has become very clear since is that Acadian and Quebec are very different things.
2: Yes, they different are. Different
0: culture, different history. I, and I didn't really truly, I mean, I knew there was a difference. I didn't truly appreciate the difference or how the difference came to be until I started working on this project. Now, musically, is there a difference between Quebec uh, and Acadia?
2: Yes and no. Uh, that's interesting, too, because as I develop my repertoire, there, there are songs that... I would perform in, in New Brunswick, or actually more like Northern Maine's Acadians that they didn't know, uh, but then they would recommend songs that I said, oh, that's interesting, like uh, Partons la Mer est Belle, and my grandmother sang it all the time, but it's really an Acadian song. And of course, Evangeline, um, these songs were requests in in, in Northern Maine. And, and um, when I went to New Brunswick, of course, that was, I had, my repertoire had sort of developed as a, uh, more traditional or more from the 60s and down, because that's what the requests were. Sure. Um, but in New Brunswick, of course, the young people were really listening to the rock and, and, and the pop music of of Canada, which I found that living here and not having access to Quebec television and so on, um, Canadian television, I I couldn't keep up with it unless I spent my summers in Quebec and really made an effort to to see what was happening. But then I discovered that, you know, even if I performed to American audiences who wanted to hear French, they didn't want to hear the pop. They wanted to hear the traditions. Right. So that's what I ended up focusing on uh, over the years that, that, that was, that was what the requests were. That was what the need was. And that's where I was getting hired. So.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Now, something you did, Mention, and I mentioned in the intro, I think might be how the majority of my listeners are familiar with your work. And that is through the TV show that you did. Bonjour. Now, how did that come about? What made you stop and be like, you know what? I think I want to throw it together, a TV show right now.
2: Well, it wasn't me, really. It was, again, ACA. The cable station at the time was uh, United Channel 8. This will bring back memories (laughs) to some. And then it became Continental Cable. They approached the ACA and said, would, you know, we do community programming. Would you like to produce a show with us? And they decided that it would be time to do something. We called it Bonjour because it would people who saw it in the TV guide would know it's in French. Sure. And um, they asked me if I would uh, uh, host it because I could open the show with a song, end the show with a song, and uh, we would fill with guests in the middle. You know, sometimes a guest cancelled or chickened out then I'd get to do two or three songs because we had to fill <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah, but uh, but it it was interesting because uh, you know when they asked me we thought we all thought the same thing. Ethnic television maybe a year or two and it ended up going twelve years with truth and it really took off. It wasn't just Manchester. Uh, suddenly Maine Public Television said they'd like to air it throughout the state of Maine. Uh, different cable stations along the east coast and of course throughout New England it even went down to Texas and Louisiana <laughs> uh, they said at one point that we reached 3 million homes that's amazing so it was a it was a great experience i think my biggest fear is that i i had never interviewed and so you know you you, you learn as you go i was very in, you know you're you're doing a great uh-huh. job Jesse. i'm lear- I'm,
0: I'm learning it right now is we begin.
2: No you can't see i I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of guest Uh, I would have wanted because I talk so much.
0: Exactly. It's awesome. But
2: I I would get a guest who, you know, just says, yes, actually. (laughs) And then say nothing. And, you know, it was like really learning to pull teeth, basically. Um, And we had to, at the time, we had to fill 20 minutes to a half hour. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, yeah, but I did. I learned a lot along the way. And then uh, Paul Paré was a co-host. And then eventually, we invited. Uh, she came to the area from Quebec. Um, um, uh, Carole Auger moved to Biddeford, Maine area, and so she was just loving this uh, experience to co-host and, and and added, you know, book reviews because she was a she's now a, a, a writer in Canada. So, uh, so yeah, it was all a really fun fun times.
0: <laughs> now, were you, were you the one who had to track down the guests? We did.
2: Uh, we uh, at the beginning of uh, we had we had someone uh, a young intern on, uh, at the ACA who that was his job to nice. look, search the newspapers, look for f- you know French names that we thought would be able to uh, to be on the show because that they had really made an effort that the show would be entirely in French, and I'm not sure today. You know, I don't think that that would be doable, but um, be top we, up. yeah, we would. Get, it would be. Even once in a while, we would find a, a very interesting guest like from from Western New Hampshire, like Harrisville or something. And, and he'd say, well, no, I spoke French as a child, but there's no way. And then I would sort of speak to him over the phone in French and he'd start warming up. And the next thing I knew, he was on the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, sometimes they'd go, oh, I made a fool of myself. I said, no, 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 that what you're showing is that we're not trying to be, you know, we're not French professors on this right. show. The idea is that this is who we are. This is how history is evolving, you know, in New England. And we had amazing inter- guests, though. We even got, um, I got to interview Marcel Marceau, you know, the mine. Oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. He came, uh, he came to the area. Um, my, my colleague, I was out of town, so bummed out, but she got to go to Boston and she got a three-minute interview with Céline Dion. We got uh, the Acadian perform the uh, actress, um, uh, Viola Legere, who plays La Seguine, this uh, major Acadian character. I was performing in Fitchburg, Massachusetts, at the library, and I could have sworn it was her in the audience. And I thought, no, she's from (laughs) from New Brunswick. And then at intermission, they said, "We have a special guest in the audience. She's visiting her mother." So I jumped on, you know, right after uh, the show, I <laughs> went to see her and I said, would you consider coming to Bonjour? And she said, I would love to, madame. Love so, that. so oh my gosh, that was probably one of my favorite interviews of all time.
0: Very cool. Now, I did see where your music was used in a documentary, which I think was kind of the yeah. La, La What is that about?
2: La Bolduc, is a, she was a singer from the 1920s and... and up to the depression so from canada from the Gaspe region and she was famous for uh for as as a canadian songwriter because the music on the radio at the time was always from france in canada and she would take these fiddle tunes or harmonica tunes and put words to them and she would write about whatever was in the paper that day so she would make fun of of difficult times you know and so on and. Um, so they did a documentary on her, of course. You know, there's, there's so many books written about La Bolduc. And um, they asked me if I would... Uh, they were they wanted to use something that I had performed from La Bolduc. And then they ended up using Entre Moi again because it had the surlut thing. So uh, it was sort of an influence of her music that they, they considered. So, uh, yeah, I was excited. And I've had a, a few songs... Uh, used uh, for openings uh, well like this one
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's the most prestigious i'm sure
2: yeah of course
0: <laughs> now i did mention in the intro that in 2007 yeah you were inducted into the french canadian hall of fame by the american french genealogical society of wound socket rhode island i'm just curious because that's an awesome obviously awesome honor I mean, other inductees. I, I looked it up. Include mm-hmm. Napoleon Lejeune, who's like one of the best baseball players of all time. Um, so, how how did that come about? Like, what was that phone call like when you were told you would be inducted into that?
2: Uh, I was thinking, uh, am I? Well, I'm too young? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. I truly was. Uh, uh, it was very exciting. Of course, I think it was. Uh, you know, every time you're you're recognized for anything that you do, you know, it's it's a uh, it's an honor. Of course. Um, i I felt like uh, you know, you you try to do the best you can to to support anything with you know, of your culture. That's been sure. my whole pride and and uh, and purpose, really, for almost forty years. I hate to say it, but it's true. Awesome. And so yeah, the, it was great. Uh, of course, giving a speech again is not my forte, but <laughs> it, it was fine. I think I, looking back, whenever I'm nervous about doing public speaking is, Make sure you bring the guitar. You know there That's where I'm comfortable.
0: <laughs> I like that. Now, and one other thing I want to touch on real quick, so I ran across kind of interesting. One of your songs was used in a commercial in, for Christmas in South Korea. Oh, how oh my how gosh. in the world did this happen?
2: Yeah, I was sure it was spam. <laughs> I really uh, I got an email from a South Korean uh, company asking if they could use a 20 second clip. Of my version of the first Noël in French for um, a commercial for a pastry shop called uh, Paris Baguette. And oh. I thought, you know, is this for real? Right. <laughs> so, you know, I looked up the company, I Googled it, and I'm starting to see that, yeah, it's totally legit. You know, there were tons and tons of, of sites. And so I emailed them back. I didn't, and they said, you know, we'll send you a check. Uh, they wanted a, uh, I said, you know, could you go through PayPal? That makes me more comfortable. And the next thing I know, this nice, tidy amount
0: That's awesome. <laughs>
2: shows up in PayPal. And um, after that, um, I could see a lot of comments in South Korean language. You know, looking they they were buying the clip off of uh, my CD Baby account. <laughs> so, That's awesome. and I thought, wow, who would have thought? You know, that you just Inter- the, that's where the internet has changed um, sure. careers, even for me, you know, when you think that you're really sticking to New England and occasionally do things in, in Canada or France or or wherever, you know. I've done Martinique and Berlin, Berlin uh, uh, Germany also, but uh, yeah, suddenly the internet opens up a lot, you know, where you least expect it.
1: En ces lieux, durant la nuit, demeuraient des bergers Qui gardaient leurs troupeaux dans les champs de Judée Or un ange du Seigneur apparut dans les cieux Et la gloire de Dieu resplendit autour de Noël, Noël Noel, Noel. Just well, uh, so how did you how did
0: you end up in Berlin, Germany?
2: Yeah, well, I was performing with another woman from Vermont uh, at uh, uh, a, a, a festival up in uh, Lake Champlain, and uh, there was a German. Guy there with uh, a crew. They were trying to look for French outside of Canada for a video they were doing for schools in Germany through the French institutes of Germany. Okay. And the next thing we knew, uh, they're they're inviting us to come and perform throughout the schools in Ber, in Ber, in Berlin. And I, awesome. I keep want to say Berlin because yeah. we, <laughs> in strange. Berlin. And uh, we spoke no. German and it, the, the wall had just come down like two years before wow. so it was really really an amazing experience. Uh, they said you know put us up in a ho- in an in a apartment actually for the week. <coughs> we just took the subway with my friend you know she, unfortunately uh, Martha Pellerin she was a real activist y- died way too young 36 years old uh, of cancer. So I'm just so thankful that I got to travel with her that way. Um, But she insisted that we bring spoons (laughs) (laughs) And she carried a hundred spoons in a bag through customs. That's awesome. (laughs) And then actually at the uh, airport, they had us play them to prove why we were bringing. (laughs) (laughs) Why else would you have spoons? (laughs) Why would we bring a hundred spoons? I kept saying, Martha, honestly, I'm sure they have spoons in Berlin, in Berlin.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs>
2: but it was a yeah it was an amazing experience again and uh you know just uh discovering berlin at that time with the cranes all over you know rebuilding the city and going to checkpoint charlie museum and uh, and of course the the french institute's really supporting that here's a french culture in the united states you know that really fascinated them that right, right. that we exist oh,
0: that's oh, great now do you still do shows
2: Yes, I do. I've slowed down a lot. You know, uh, my children are grown up and my husband loves to travel and uh, his job takes him to many places. So I sort of uh, um, sometimes I have to say no because of, you know, I don't want to commit and then have to cancel. Because sure. the problem with music is once you say yes, you you don't back out. You know, it's a commitment. Right. Um, yeah, I'm probably averaging 15, 15, 20 shows a year at the most now. Um, but I still love it. It's just that I do notice as I as I travel, you know, there are like I'm playing again in northern Maine this summer for the yep. third time in a year, th- a third time in uh, three years. And I used to play there all the time, too. But now they they I think they're just making sure that the young people keep hearing French because they still speak French pretty strongly in, in northern Maine. I think probably because they're so close to the border and uh, they have access to Canadian television pretty strongly too. As I travel through New England, I I am seeing changes. You know, we're down really to three festivals, for example. Again, mostly in Maine, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. I play a lot. I do notice that the you know it takes three generations, as we know, to lose a language if it's not used. And uh, so I'm, I try once in a while to. Of course, I introduce all my songs in English. Although not by translating, because I find that boring in a concert. I think it's more important to add a quick anecdote about it mm-hmm. instead. And uh, and uh, people seem to like. I did a show in Brantford, Conne- uh, Connecticut, this past January. Not one French speaker was in the audience. And they had over two hundred people. That's awesome. And I thought, oh, you know, but but they loved it. There was. Uh, I think I just I've just learned how to present, uh, even though it's all in French. Um, So I want to sort of maintain that as my as that's that's who I am.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. Now, is there a song specifically that's like your favorite song to perform if you're on a show
2: to perform? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Yesterday, uh, I played with uh, the fiddler Daniel Boucher, which I
1: Uh,
2: I got him to to come up with me to to recreate a little soirée at the Museum of Work and Culture. Oh that's awesome. It, it was a blast. It was so much oh,
0: fun. He's he's great.
2: Yeah, but he's uh he doesn't want to perform anymore, which is shocking. So I I talked him into it. He <laughs> said, you know, I'll do it cuz I can't say no to you and it's like, that's "Yes." Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he really realized that maybe he's not ready to quit either cuz people just just adored it. We had we have great chemistry on stage. It's it's very natural and um we we performed. What did we we performed? Anything that just came to mind that was creating that kitchen party. Sure. And uh, so I like to do upbeat things. Uh, I love doing. I, I revived a song that I, I used to sing when I was uh, starting out called uh, "Mon Oncle Edmond." You know, my uncle Edmund, yeah. and people love it because there's a little English part uh, that you know that says yep, yep, Do you speak English? <laughs> <laughs> Me, I could talk faster than you. <laughs> so, That's awesome. <laughs> and they sing along, and then um, yeah, I did of course my song Entre Moi because I got people to dance. We did a sure. square dance based on it, um, and of course the clogging. I just love doing clogging in a in a kitchen party you know, <laughs> atmosphere. Awesome.
0: Now we did. I did, there's no way I could end this interview without at least mentioning a YouTube video that <laughs> came out a little bit ago. I got a ton of hits right away. Because you described how the foot percussion, the foot tapping worked. <laughs> that was hilarious how, how quickly like, literally everybody I knew reposted that on their Facebook because <laughs> everybody was talking about this video. Now, where did you learn that skill? Was that something you grew up with or did you have to yeah, teach yourself that? Yeah,
2: it was something my you know, my aunts and uncles would do at, you know, sing alongs because since since we didn't have instruments, we sang, you know, and you can sing acapella as I'm doing it right now. <laughs> you just that's your that's your drumming that's your beat that's the french canadian beat often i would get requests you know can you teach me how to do that and one night i just said to my husband you know what i don't i don't do videos really of uh, you know occasionally things pop up that somebody has has uh, has taken and and i just end up saying yeah sure leave it up but uh, i didn't i didn't come from a time where you know we could upload videos that easily looking back now i wish I've got a ton of DVDs from that you know, and and VHS things, and I I'm I'm hoping this summer that I can get my brother to help me do clips that I could get uploaded somehow. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I said to my husband, "All right, let me give a quick lesson here. I know it's going to (laughs) be really homemade, but people said that that's what they liked about it. And yesterday at the show, some people said I I was ready for today because of your video. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's right.
2: So it was yeah. a lot of fun, yeah. That is
0: awesome. Okay, now I did mention at the very beginning of this, we talked a little bit about it, the song French in America. Mm-hmm. Again, with the comment me and Mike get all the time is that song is great. Where can I get that song? What is that song about? So I guess, big question. Again, what is the song about? And where can somebody get access to not only that song, but your music in general?
2: Well, they, can, they can go to my website, which is just josevachon.com, um, if you want to buy just the song, um, I'm also on cdbaby.com, gotcha. which is, is ideal for uploading, you know, individual songs. I wrote the song because we were doing a lot of school assemblies. I was in a band called Chanterelle for uh, at least ten years, and uh, in '93, and my my fiddler Donna Eber, who actually pronounces it Eber, because it bothered her that her grandparents. Chose to forget French quickly in the family. They wanted their children to assimilate as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah.
2: And she would tell me stories like that. Her grandparents said that they went to school, you know, and and were told, you know, why don't can't you learn to speak white? And wow. I know this is, you know, we're talking uh, when they arrived, you know, sure. in probably nineteen early nineteen hundreds, and right. so that was for them. You know, our children won't deal with that, and they assimilate yeah, quickly. And Donna said, I, I, I feel so bad that I don't possess this language. But when she played fiddle, I said, well, your fiddle certainly speaks French. <laughs> That's awesome. she really you could tell where she had learned from family things. And and, of course, uh, learning from the greats, you know, Louis Baudouin and uh, you know, just a lot of New England fiddlers. So I wrote the song for schools so that we could actually also study our history. And then we switch the song to English to talk about, you know, uh, what's happened. And uh, it's really up to us because I've talked to different people. Like even my friend Martha Pellerin from Vermont, she had she could hardly speak French anymore, though she sang in French. She said, I I, I don't believe it. When Québécois say if you lose the language, you lose your culture. She goes, I'm a proud Franco-American. Yes, I'm trying to maintain the French through songs and and.'" Sure and but um, for her it was adam- she was adamant about that and uh, and that's that's a very difficult thing for for individuals all over you know some some say it's, some still believe that uh, the older people do say that I think many times if you lose the language uh, but i I don't think so and it's people like you and and Tim beaulieu and and Daniel Boucher and I find that the the this next generation is doing what you know what what we were doing when I started out is, you know, bringing a, a, a different uh, factor somehow of what Franco-American culture is today for us.
0: That is so awesome. Thank you <laughs> so much. I really appreciate that because you're right. That, that's exactly what you just described much better than I could is exactly oh. <laughs> what exactly what this podcast, this entire project is about. So it's awesome. Thank you so very much. Oh, no, it was, it was like a gosh, pleasure. Us. Again, <laughs> everybody check out. Um, you can get all her music at josevachon.com. We will put a link to it on all our social media. So that was a tremendous interview. I really, really appreciate it. Again, right when I first started this project, one of the very first things I did was like, I got to get one of Jose's songs. There's no way <laughs> I'm having a podcast and I'm not having one of her songs as my intro. So this has been a really, really fun experience for me. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
1: Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair to think that everything they love we say do not share, but the spirit never dies, our culture will survive, each of us must choose how much to keep alive, each of us must choose how much to keep alive.
2: This program is recorded at the Concord TV podcasting studio. The views and opinions expressed during this podcast are not necessarily those of Concord TV. The producer is solely responsible for its content.